0: the lord we're going to talk about courage for the battle and the lord when he first brought this to my heart he said there's battles coming now we think we've had some pretty big battles but listen if you'll read about joshua into the promised land there was battle after battle after battle amen there's always battles jesus said as long as you're on this earth You will have tribulation. You'll have troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So you can have trouble, but trouble doesn't have to have you. Amen? You can have some battles, but we win. Here's the thing. We've read the end of the book. Amen? We know we win. Amen? There are battles, but if we will, we will trust God, believe God, do it his way, we will win. Listen, the worst thing that could happen to you, according to the world, now, not according to us, is for you to die. That's the worst thing it's according to the world. This is going to kill you. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to go there. I'm going there, you're going there. That's our destination. So the worst thing that could happen to us is to go to heaven, according to the world. And that's just a... We have to talk ourselves into staying here sometimes. (laughs) But listen, don't check out early, because we need a, all hands on deck. Amen? Because there are battles ahead, and we need to fight together. Amen? No one should be a, be feeling like they're fighting alone. So look at Joshua 1. Real familiar scripture. This isn't like you've heard this the first time. Joshua 1. God is talking to Moses. I mean, to Joshua. And he says, Moses, Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. Well, you think that was news to Joshua? No, he knew that. But he says, Now, therefore, because Moses is dead, you arise, and you cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. To the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. Can I just make a little pause there? God's word is forever settled in heaven. He didn't change his mind. That land still belongs to God's people. And no peace agreement, no president of the United States, no president of Egypt, no, they can't change. God already said. You have to remember that and don't get caught up in political things. But it goes back. If God says that's that's your land, it's an everlasting covenant. It's exactly right. Amen. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. The first time he said, be courageous. second time he says, be very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law do do all the law you don't pick and choose which moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go god's will is that you be successful that's the will of the lord unfortunately many many christians don't believe that they believe that god wants you poor to keep you humble You never see that the Word of God. Ever. No. No, God always lifts us up. God wants you to be successful. Success, success doesn't tie to money, by the way. So, you know, you could be without money and be very successful. If you're in the will of God, doing what He wants you to do, you're successful. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good. And not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Call upon me and I will answer you. Amen. So God wants us successful. And what what do we see as success? How do you measure success? If you are in the mammon system. You measure success by money. Or prestige. But we are not of that system. And we have to get to the point where we don't judge people after the flesh, but we judge them after the spirit. Or know them, let's say. Know them after the spirit, not after the flesh. And God wants all his people successful. But he certainly wanted Joshua successful. Why? Because he's the one that's taking God's people into the land, which is the promised land. It's not named that just because that makes a good poster. It's it's God's promise to them that they will enter that land. And even though 12 spies went out, 10 came back with what God called an evil report that said we can't do it. You know, when you say you can't do what God says you can do, that's evil. You're speaking evil. You have to learn to speak like Joshua and Caleb who said we're well able to take that land. Amen. We're well able. So he says to him, this book of the law, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to be strong and courageous. Very courageous. And here's how you're going to take possession of the land. This book of the law. Like I said, uh, the last service. Joshua didn't have all the books you have. He had the Torah. First five books of the Bible. We are so blessed. Jesus came to show us the Father. Amen. But this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, that you shall meditate on it day and night. Think about the word day and night. So that you may be careful to do. See, you know what? Sometimes people say, well, I think that's in the Bible. They, they don't meditate day and night they don't think about the word day and night so when they need it they just think it's in the bible <laughs> you ever had somebody that they think something's in the bible penny saved is a penny earned that's in the bible no that's ben franklin <laughs> my mother used to tell me things that's in the bible well, you know what? We are intelligent beings. And we are so blessed here in North America to have the Bible in our language in so many different translations. If you can't understand one, go find one you can. But find a Bible and read your Bible. It's a great revelation. You need to read your Bible because you don't know what it says until you read what it says even if someone tells you it says you know there's denominations groups of people who they believe that only the person at the front whether it be the priest or the preacher they are the ones that read the bible and they tell you what it says that's pretty dangerous Or whether they're on television. They're on Christian television. They got, I mean, their books are selling the fastest. and Everybody's talking about them. If you just take man's word. And thank God we got great teachers, Bible teachers. We got great teachers that we can listen to. But even the greatest teacher, if they are truly of the Lord, great teacher. They will tell you, look in your Bible. Read your Bible. I don't want anybody in this church to try to live on what they hear from this pulpit. You don't understand? Without that becoming, I guess I said that wrong, but I don't really know how to say it, but to live with saying, well, that's what Pastor Brownie said, or that's what Kim said in the offering, or that's what Jonathan said, or whoever It's okay to say that's what they said, but the problem comes when you need to use that and you need to stand on that word, you need to know where it is. Amen. You need to know, is that in the Bible? You need to know what your Bible says so that when you hear the word, you know, it's the word. It's not some man's opinion. A woman's opinion. It is the word of God. Amen. So he says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now we know the power of our tongue. Right? We know that we have to speak the word. We speak the promise. Not the problem. Amen. So he's telling Joshua. You can't allow your mouth. To say stuff that's not in the word. That's a challenge isn't it? But it sure is. It is. Uh attainable david said in the uh i believe david said this uh put a watch over my mouth we have to tell the lord lord help me because james says you cannot tame the tongue but you can't in yourself but with the lord's help we can tame our tongue what are you saying You are getting a harvest of what you've said before. Do you know that? Now, there are battles. We're we're talking about battles. The enemy comes to steal the word that's sown in your heart, according to Mark 4. So we know that. But in the whole scope of things, you are living in what you have planted seeds with. And, you know, sometimes I have to pray for crop failure on some of the seeds I've planted. Some things I've said with my mouth. God, don't let those grow up and bear fruit. I, I curse that seed. Amen? So praise the Lord. Joshua is saying. He's, he's being commanded. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Now, th- listen. How many sentences is that? It's only about three or four sentences. Have you ever talked to someone and they keep telling you, I told you. And then they say a sentence and they go, I told you. And then they say a sentence, I told you. Do you think that they kind of mean that? That's not just a passing thought. They are trying to make you understand this is important. Listen, and God is saying it three times just in between verse five and nine. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua. Now, the reason being is that God knew the battles that were to come. See, you have to know the word about healing before you ever need healing. You have to know the word about prosperity before you get broke. You have to know the word about raising godly children before you have one. Now, listen, thank God we can do that even after the fact. Amen. God's grace, God's mercy. Amen. We can do that. But it's much better to know the word before you have the battle. Why? Because in the New Testament, it talks about the man that built his house during the storm. (laughs) Can you imagine? Spirit was telling me that he was putting up Christmas lights the other day. One of those windy days. You know, thank God it's easier to put up. Christmas lights here in Canada, in our area at least, before the heavy snows and before it's 20 below zero. Isn't it? It's easier to do it, but it might be a windy day. I don't know. I mean, I've put up Christmas lights, I've stood on the ladders and gone and put the lights in the east troughs. I've done that. But I don't want wind blowing. That's just not a fun thing. So it's better to put up your Christmas lights when the weather is better. Some of you haven't done that yet, and you're thinking. How many saw the snow when the snow came this week, and you thought, Oh, man, I hope it melts, because i still got some stuff to do. (laughs) Okay, I know I'm not the only one. But we live in a a place where we have to think about doing things before the snow comes. That's in our our psyche, right? We have to think, okay, before this, as we say, before snow flies, we've got to have this finished. Well, God wants you to prepare for battle before the battle. Because it's just easier. You can fight a battle when you haven't prepared for it. But your your uh, statistics for winning are much greater if you're ready. Amen? Much greater because we have to understand that God wants us ready. And he wanted Joshua ready. And Joshua, let me tell you, Joshua had not only... The promise for him, but for all these people, do you realize? There were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that Joshua was responsible for to get to the promised land. But once they got there, they knew there was going to be some battles, right? But they didn't know. Listen, you 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 know that you're going to have some challenges in life, right? Nobody sitting here today. And when you got saved, you, nobody probably, maybe, I don't think anybody got saved and somebody told you, well, you're saved, you'll never have another problem as long as you live. Anybody? No, that's when you become a target. and The battles get greater. But the victories are greater too. Okay, so let's see this. Verse 5. Joshua, he had served Moses, and now the promises made to Moses are his. Now, we could go into a great leadership teaching right there. The anointing flows down. Right? So, the promises that God makes to the head will flow down to the body, right? In a home, God might say one thing to one person, but it's for the whole family, right? Now, I'm not talking all the time, but I'm saying sometimes if he wants to have a word for a family, he usually doesn't speak to everybody in that family. He speaks to one, and that's for the family. In the church here, God will speak to it doesn't have to be the pastor, but mo- most of the time it, the pastor will have a confirmation on it. God's not going to come out and just have something really way out there and someone says, this is a word for your church, that that we go, huh? <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had people give prophecies, prophetic words, that are just kind of way, way out there, that even I know that's not God. See, we should have a witness in the spirit. The Bible says that we we test every prophecy. We try it. Amen? And so Joshua had been told, listen, in Deuteronomy 31, we see that Moses told Joshua the same thing. Deuteronomy 31, verse 5. Moses speaks to Joshua. He says, the Lord will deliver them up before you. He's talking about the the cities of Canaan, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Now Moses is saying, Joshua, I've already taught you. You do what I taught you to do. You do what I have taught you to do. As parents, when we teach our children the word of God, there comes a time where we have to say, now you do it. That sometimes is a hard time because especially when they're raised under the word, then it's, I, I, you know, I just remember, uh, times where we had to encourage our children, you use your faith to get healed. We'll agree with it, but you got to use your faith because they were used to mom and daddy praying and they would get healed. But a time comes when you stop now, that doesn't mean you don't pray for them. But you encourage them. You know what? You've got great faith. Use your faith. I don't feel like it. I'm sick. Okay? Start saying the scriptures. (laughs) As one of the gospel bill videos said, Barca said, the scriptures. (laughs) Well, sometimes your kids say that too. It's like, just pray for me. Because they, they've experienced healing when you've prayed for them. But you have to teach them how to use their faith. Amen? When they want a car, you know, you got to teach them how to believe God for a vehicle. Amen? You've got to teach them how to believe for money. You teach them how to tithe. You teach them how to give. Amen? Now maybe you help them. Maybe God tells you to buy them a car. But you have, to, you have to teach them to use their faith. Man, I tell you, those little kids down there in nursery today and in children's ministry, they can lay hands on the sick and see them healed just as fast as I can or you can. Probably faster in some senses because they don't have any doubts. It's like... That's what God said. That's what they told me. If I lay my hands on sick people, they'll get well. They just do it. Never, never think that they have less faith or smaller faith. Many times they have greater faith. And that's why Jesus said you must become as a little child. Amen. Children trust. And so we must become as little children. And trust God. So it says verse 5. Joshua had served Moses. And now the promises made to Moses are his. Now let me tell you. uh, Like we read in Deuteronomy 31. Moses says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do you see these same things repeated by God to Joshua? Now listen. Joshua was a great man of God. Don't you think that Joshua could have had his own following? Especially when they were griping at Moses all the time. You know, they were... Everything was Moses' fault. You brought us out here to die. I'm sure Moses had this thought. Look, I was really happy on the other side of the desert. I did not want to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let his... His, uh, god's people go i didn't want to do that but i obeyed god and now because i obeyed god you're on my case for obeying god they they even griped about oh that we could have leeks and garlics really really you were slaves you were making bricks all day long <laughs> really you would go back to being slaves so you could eat some leeks and garlic? See how you just don't think straight sometimes. But now listen, this is the point I want to make. Joshua could have had his own following because when the people started talking against the pastor or against the leader, Moses, right? Don't you think they came and complained to Joshua? Because like Joshua was like a right-hand guy, <laughs> I remember when I was, uh, I was the pastor's wife and David was the pastor and people would come to me to complain about David. Yeah, that's exactly. Or they wanted to complain about something, but they didn't want to tell David. They wanted to tell me. And I would go to David and say, I don't like this. I don't like this. What do I do? He said, well, God's going to give you an answer. I'm telling you, just like that, I said, I am not Mother Mary. They don't have to go through me to get to you. I will just tell them, if you've got something to say, go say it to him. And I shut the door. And I'm telling you, it was freedom for me. Now, sometimes if you can't get somebody to listen to your complaint, you'll just hush. Because you've got to have somebody to listen. So don't you think when they were complaining about Moses. That Joshua looked pretty good. (laughs) He's younger. He's got great faith. Let's follow Joshua. But Joshua's heart was to serve Moses. Joshua was not in it to get promotion. Many people... They serve people so they can get promoted. If our heart's right, we serve just because we love Jesus. And whether anybody ever sees it or I get promoted or whatever, it is not about that. It's about serving Jesus. Right? So, listen, that's why Joshua, was, that's why God was going to use him. Because he didn't seek after his own. He was seeking after the people's benefit, right? So that they could take possession of the land. Because that's what God said in Joshua 1, didn't he? He said, you, let me read it to you again. For you shall give the people, this people, possession of this land. God didn't say, I'm going to give the people possession. He said, Joshua, you're going to give it to them. Let me tell you, you are responsible to see to it that not only you are living in the promises of God, but that you, because you are living in the promises of God, then you can show other people. Lead the way. Open the doors for others. Amen? This is not about just so I can, I can have what I want. I can live the life abundant and then I can go to heaven. What a shame that we would just live like that. I trust nobody in this building today lives like that. I trust that every one of you wants to tell somebody how good God's been to you. When Denny and Chance go to the nursing home today, do you know that they can tell what God's done in their life just a testimony and put the word in it? And people will be set free. And people will see the goodness of the Lord. The Bible says the goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. Amen. So I have to understand that for me to possess my land is not only for me, but it's for others. Amen. (laughs) Are you getting this? Because if you're not, we're probably going to hear it again. (laughs) When I come back from the Philippines, this might be, well, I might not be preaching, but The next time you hear me preach, this might be what I'll preach. We got to get this because God knows there's some battles ahead. And we must be able to fight them. We must be strong. We must be courageous. But you will not be doing that by just saying, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. You have to put something in you. Amen? And you won't do it if you just trust on somebody else's faith. Whether it's your mom and dad whether it's somebody, uh, a leader in the church, or whether it's some television preacher, you cannot do this unless it becomes life to you. The Word of God must become your very life, that you cannot live without the Word of God. And it shouldn't take a disaster or a terrible thing to happen till you run to God. (laughs) But that's the way most people are you got people that they don't want to hear about the Lord. They don't want you to talk about Jesus. They certainly don't want you to pray for them until they get a bad report. till trouble comes to their household. And who do they call? Do they call the person they might have met in the bar last week? They're going to call the person that has told them there's hope. There's an answer. Things don't have to be like this. Amen. But you got to be ready. If you don't have the word in you. Listen. The word you put in you sometimes is not just for you. Well I'd say all the time it's not just for you. Every word you put in is for you. And for someone else. Um, in GCW years ago we used to tape the messages. And those Tapes went to that woman because she wasn't coming to GCW. She she was in another church. She was a leader. And so she got those cassette tapes and her faith got built up because somebody had a heart to give what they knew to someone else. That's what it's all about. That's what our testimony Revelation says, that they're won by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Isn't that wonderful? You have a testimony. Jared, you have a testimony that you can tell somebody what God's done for you, and he's no respecter of persons, he'll do for them. You can talk to youth and tell them, look, you don't have to play these games. These world games, I've got a, I've got a better way for you. You don't have to listen. Most youth, you know what their thought patterns are. The other, you know, uh, girls or boys, and if they'll be accepted, if they'll be popular, and that's their, that's their thought pattern. And so they just go the way they flow in that flow. And they have girlfriends and boyfriends. And what happens? They get their heart broken. So they, then they're depressed. And suicidal sometimes. Why? Because they went a direction that God never intended them to go. We're not to give our heart to just anybody. God's got someone for you. But you don't just open your heart and just say, okay, well, if I don't have a boyfriend or if I don't have a girlfriend, then I'm going to look like a loser. That's a wrong thought. That's stinking thinking. Amen? Amen. Because we are complete in Him. My identity cannot be that I pastor a church that cannot be my identity or that I travel and preach that cannot be my identity my identity must be found in him that's what I do but that's not who I am your identity Kevin Kevin came over and helped me at my house because he's skilled in some things so he did what I couldn't do even though I thought I could do it but Kevin did what I couldn't do. But that's not who Kevin is. If, if I start s- describing Kevin, I might say that, you know, he's he's an owner in a company. And, you know, I might say that. But that's not who he is. That's just what he does. Who he is is a mighty man of God. Who he is is a kind man. Who he is is a great father. Who he is is a husband. Who he is... Is not what he does. But what he does is affected by who he is. So Joshua. Was called to lead the people. But first of all Joshua had to find out who he was. He was Moses' servant. And until Moses died. He was just Moses' servant. But let me tell you. When Moses went up on that mountain. The other people stayed down. But who went up? Joshua, he didn't want to miss out on the glory. He left the multitude. He left the crowd. He looked unpopular. But he went to follow the man of God. Now, he couldn't go all the way up, but he went up partway. He would have gone all the way up if God had let him, don't you think? Oh, man, I bet he would. But now Moses is dead. And this is what God is saying. Now you arise. You can do this, Joshua. Moses could not lead the people into the promised land. But Joshua could. And so Joshua, because he wasn't seeking his own, he was seeking the Lord. Then he was qualified. You know what qualifies you to be a leader in the kingdom? If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must become a servant of all. Amen. Greatness is not that you're you're the most popular. Greatness is not that you are uh, the most qualified. Greatness is that you're a servant. That your heart is to serve. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, God had already told Joshua through Moses to be strong and courageous. This is, I love this because this is just confirming again. You know what? You might hear something from the pulpit and it'll prick your heart. But then God will come back and talk to you specifically. And he might say the very same things you heard from the pulpit. But he's trying to say this is for you today. Amen? Amen. Even in Deuteronomy 31, we see down later in the, in the scriptures in verse 31. I believe it was 31. Deuteronomy 31, 31. I'm not quite sure. But it says that, that Moses commissioned Joshua. He anointed him. He charged him to be strong and courageous. Listen, you have to understand that should Jesus tarry, we're all going to leave this earth. And you're successful if you leave somebody with what you know. That's an inheritance. Good man leaves an inheritance for his children. We've talked about this. That doesn't mean that you just leave money. Now, that's a great goal that you leave money, that you believe God for for finances. You don't leave debt. But your greatest inheritance that you leave is your legacy of faith. That's the greatest thing you can leave your family. Amen? So that they know that you believed God and they can believe God too. Amen? Hallelujah. I was thinking of, of just friends that have gone to be with the Lord in the last just few, six months, let's say. I was thinking of them. In fact, a couple of them really strong were on my heart this week. And I was thinking... Man, they affected everybody with their love, with their kindness. And even though they would speak the word, it was spoken in love. It was spoken in kindness. And so, therefore, their words still remain on the earth because they spoke the word. When you leave, your words stay here that are words of life. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 40, verse 29. You don't have to turn there because it's just one line I'm going to read to you. It says, he gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Amen. So if we're going to go into a battle, we're going to have to believe that even when we're weary, he gives strength. Let me give you an example. We read in Joshua 10 five kings came out against uh, Gibeon because they had heard that the people of God, Joshua and his armies were, were starting to win these battles. And they got scared. And the king of uh, of uh, Jerusalem, some of the other kings, five kings decided they're going to go attack Gibeon because if they don't, Joshua's going to get it. <laughs> well, the people of Gibeon, they call for Joshua And they asked him to come help. And the Bible says he traveled all night long. He and his valiant army, it says. This is in Joshua 10. Traveled all night long to get to Gibeon so they could fight all day long. Now, anybody know what it's like to fight all night and all day? But God still wanted to avenge his enemies. This was God's battle in Joshua 10. God wanted to avenge his enemies. And so what happened? Joshua needed more time. And so because he'd been meditating on the word day and night, because he'd put the word into his heart, then faith was there for him to speak to the sun and to the moon and tell them, stop. We need more time to win this battle. Isn't that the coolest thing? But listen, don't you think Joshua was tired? I don't know about you, but I've traveled all night before. And then to have a battle the next day. And you're fighting the next day. You're fighting the enemy. You're fighting the devil all day long. And yet at the end of the day, you want to collapse and say, just let me be. But God says, keep fighting. You have to pull strength that's not in your physical body. You pull strength out of your inner man. Because that's what God is doing. Let me tell you, when people are physically exhausted, listen to me. When you're physically exhausted or really, really tired, you can make some wrong decisions. Most people that backslide, if you find out, you'll find that they were weary. Maybe they were they got offended by something. Or they're physically tired. They're working three jobs or two jobs and they don't have any time off. And they get physically tired and they make wrong decisions. So God wants us not to... We're not supposed to work like that. We, we have to start trusting God. Not work. Now, if you're in that position now... I'm not condemning you. I'm saying God wants you to work. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. God wants you to work. But you work for a seed to give. Amen. That's what you're working for. But God doesn't want you to work so that you're so exhausted that you can't even be in church. Or that you're so exhausted that you can't even have time, quiet time with God. Because when you start to have some quiet time with God, you're so exhausted, you fall asleep. Anybody ever been there? But Joshua, because he'd been meditating on the word day and night, that strength came from inside for him to use his faith to stop the sun and the moon. Are you getting this? This isn't a fairy tale. This really happened. And the Bible says, not ever before or ever again has Jesus or the Lord, let's, let me just read it to you so I get it right. This is in Joshua 10. Verse 12 says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. Remember how God did that? He brought down hailstones. And he killed more with hailstones than they killed with the sword. Because this was God's battle. God was not happy. And so God is fighting this battle. But he's using Joshua in the army. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the side of Israel, O sun, stand still at Gibeon. And O moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. Right at noon. And did not hasten to go down. For about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it. When the Lord listened to the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. God saw this as his battle. Let me tell you. Jesus has already fought the battle for us to have victory. And any time you're attacked, Jesus sees that as an attack on him. Do you not remember Saul who was persecuting the Christians? And the Lord knocked him off his, his animal, his horse or his donkey, whatever he was on. Knocked him off and said, Saul, Saul are you persecuting me and Saul said who are you Lord Jesus had already ascended into heaven so Saul was not persecuting Jesus on the earth he was persecuting Jesus's body the body of Christ and God says he didn't like that that's not good so in this battle we see that God wanted them to win because He's fighting for them to have possession of what God's promised. Jesus has already won the battle so that you can be healed, so that you can be delivered, so that you can live in peace and harmony, so strife can be far from you and your household. He died so that we could be saved, us and our house. But there is a battle. And we are not fighting flesh and blood. Sometimes it feels like that. Flesh and blood is the one that mouths whatever the enemy's saying, right? Sometimes it feels like we're fighting flesh and blood. But the Bible says we don't. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Rulers of the dark places. In other words, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And if you don't understand that and you're trying to fight in the flesh you're going to get flesh results. What you do in the flesh, you have to maintain in the flesh. So just don't do it. Have you ever found yourself arguing with somebody and you have to stop and go, this is not going anywhere. They're not going to change their mind. You know, you can't argue. The Bible says don't argue the Scriptures. But you can't argue the Scripture. You can't say, well, the Bible says... To someone who doesn't believe the Bible is inspired by God. Right? You can't argue that to somebody who doesn't believe. It's foolishness. So we have to understand that God wants us to fight the real real enemy. People are not your problem. The devil is your problem. And he's defeated. And he's just acting like he's not. But we know he is. So why are we still letting him do stuff? Courage for the battle. To have courage. To stand up against every devil. There's only one devil. The devil and all his demons. And say, no. Here's the line. And you are not crossing it. I've drawn the line. Enough is enough. You're not coming against my family. You're not coming against my church. You're not coming against me. You're not coming against the body of Christ. I get to decide. And if you know who you are in the Lord. You know your authority as a believer. You can stand boldly. And say, no. Everybody in the city might be sick, but not in my house. Because I have Psalm 91 that says, no evil plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Everybody might be fussing about something, but I get to choose. I choose peace. I choose harmony. I choose no strife. I will not argue because the line's been drawn I know who I am you know who you are if you don't know who you are find out who you are in him it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ lives in me the hope of glory I have died you have died listen that'll keep you from getting your feelings hurt Have you ever been to a funeral and the guy in the coffin, someone goes up and says, you just treated me so bad and you were a terrible person. Do you think the guy in the coffin gets his feelings hurt? Why? He's dead. Dead people don't get offended. Now, that sounds ludicrous, but really, if we know who we are in Christ, then we have crucified the flesh, so I can't be offended. That's what the Bible says. That we can live in a place where we have no offense. You can't offend me. I don't walk in offense. But now listen. That that sounds so good, doesn't it? Whew. And I'd like to say, this is how I live. You should all be like me. I live like this. I'm never offended. I never get my feelings hurt. I just walk in love all the time. Hush! But that's where I can strive to go. That's possible. If it wasn't possible, God wouldn't said we could do it. And the way we do it is to fall deeper in love with Jesus. Because if I love Jesus, I'll love people. And if I love you, you can't hurt me. But you know who hurts you the most? is the people you love the most. You know, somebody can go out. You know, there's people in our neighborhood that don't come to this church. And they could walk in the door and they could come into the office and tell me how they don't like the way I'm doing things. You know what? I'd say, well, I, you know what? I, I I hear you, but it doesn't change me. But now, you let someone who I've opened my heart to, I've exposed myself to them. My heart is open they come in, then there's my challenge to not be offended because I've allowed them to speak into my heart. Amen? So, there again, if I know who I am in Christ, then I can walk in victory. I can have courage for the battle. I can be strong and courageous. Why? Because it's no longer I that is living Brownie died January the 18th, 1974. And a new Brownie was made alive at that very same moment. And I'll never die again. I have eternal life. Amen? But listen, if you don't meditate on the Word, if you don't know what God says, then you'll be tossed about. You won't know. And the first person that says something you don't like, you'll just have a little... (laughs) I heard someone say this not too long ago. It says that you'll know if you're submitted when they ask you to do something you don't agree with or they tell you to do something or they tell you something... That you don't agree with. It's so easy to submit when everything's the way you like it. Isn't it? <laughs> Woohoo! I like it. Yeah. What's not easy is when it's something you don't like. That tests your character, doesn't it? Moses' character was tested because they were coming against Moses. And God, even God, wanted to kill them all. You know what? If Moses was like most of us, he would have said, Crispy critters, you're right, God. Do away with them. He could have said, I am so tired of hearing them complain. Kill them all, God. Listen, could you take it? I mean, you risk your life, you go to another country, you, you, you go to the Pharaoh who knows who you are, and you tell him, God says, let my people go. And the Pharaoh just laughs at you. And you go, you're right, I'm going back to the desert. Moses, he had a stuttering problem. He's thinking, I don't even like to talk in front of people. And now I have to go to the leader of the nation and tell him that. And then God does miracles. You know the miracles, the seven things that God does. God does these miracles, and still Pharaoh won't let them go. But God uses Moses and Aaron to believe him to let the people go, that they get out of Egypt, get out of slavery. They've been in for 400 years. And he takes them across dry land. The sea parts for them. They walk across on dry land. You'd think they'd go, you are the greatest leader. We're so blessed. (laughs) No. Moses goes up in the mountain to hear from God. Meets God face to face. Well, actually, Moses was hidden in the rock, cleft of the rock. Now, these people could have gone up on the mountain. But they said, no, Moses, you go and you find out what God says and come back and tell us. Now, if they were godly people, don't you think they should have been down there praying for Moses, that Moses would hear God? That's what we should do for leaders instead of complaining how about spending some prayer time praying but what they do they put all their gold together and they made a golden calf and aaron was leading them (laughs) the guy that god used to speak to the egyptian to pharaoh he's he's leading them moses comes back off the mountain and he said what is this they they've already gone back to worshiping a golden cow what's with that it didn't that's not very long that like that's not 20 years down the road this is like right away and of course Aaron says I don't know how it happened it just appeared how come nobody has any gold jewelry on anymore We don't know how that happened. Why? Because they knew they were in sin. They knew they were disobeying God. And God's had it with them. And God's wanting to destroy them. And Moses. Listen, this is the love of God. Moses says, God, please don't. He stands in the gap for them. He says, don't destroy him. Don't. Listen, that's when we know that we can love our enemies, do good to them who despitefully use us, is when we can stand in the gap and pray for them and pray, God, don't hold this against them. Jesus nailed on the cross. They're gambling over his coat at his feet. He has been mistreated, he's been beaten. 39 stripes, he was almost dead. With a cat of nine tails, with strips of leather that had glass, and I mean, it had uh, nails in it, stripped. I mean, when they would hit him once, it would have been horrible. Just ripped his flesh out of his back. But he took stripes on his body for our healing. He did that for us. But yet at the same time, listen, The worst most of you have had happen is somebody's talked bad about you. One girl quit church because somebody called her hallelujah at work. Well, that's real tough. We're so blessed. On the cross, Jesus is nailed to the cross. And he says, Father. For they don't know what they're doing. Oh, I've had people talk against me. And someone would come and say, boy, it's dangerous for them. Because God says, touch not my anointing and do my profit no harm. That's dangerous territory. I I wouldn't want to be them. And you know, my flesh wants to say, that's right. That's right. God's going to get on. God, get them. Sick them, God. And what does God say? Forgive them. Do good to them who despitefully use you. In other words, don't just forgive them. Don't just bless them. But do something good for them. I don't want to, God. But love says, that's how you'll win them. Just keep loving them. Just keep forgiving them. And don't, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, don't keep account of a suffered wrong. Listen, some people can go back 20, 30 years and tell you what you did wrong. Husbands and wife, this is really easy for us. Because you might forget how someone else talked to you, but you remember how your spouse did it. There's, there's a couple of things that I can remember that really hurt me. And I mean, I, sh- I thought I was over it, but I can remember it. I can remember where I was. I can remember what was said. And it's probably been 20 years. That's not right. We have to forgive and leave it at the cross. Because if you do wrong to me and I forgive you, then the next time I see you, I have to be able to love you and to act like there's never been anything wrong. Isn't that right? But you can only do that in the spirit. Because listen. In the flesh we are not made like that. Your flesh says. (laughs) Vengeance. Vengeance. But what did Jesus say? Vengeance is mine said. The Lord I will repay. Right? But listen. Even God. Wanted to destroy those people. But Moses stood in the gap. So those are the people that Joshua is going to lead over into the promised land to take possession. Because God wants his people to have this land. Praise the Lord. Jesus has already fought our battle. We already know. So stop trying to fight your battles with people. Fight in the spirit. Jesus has already won the battle, but what are what's our job? We are enforcing the defeat. Our job is to enforce the defeat. We are Canadians are known as peacekeepers, right? Canadians? Peacekeepers. All over the world, Canadian troops have Gone to keep peace. What are they doing? They're enforcing the victory that the people have gotten. Well, we are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed. Highly favored are peacemakers. Listen. Critical people are not highly favored. And they're not blessed. Peacemakers are blessed. So our job to keep peace, those peacemakers, when they go to like Croatia, when they went there to be peacemakers, their job was not to just, you know, walk around and like, you got to love your brother. Come on, love your brother. You know, not, no, they walked around to make sure that the enemy didn't come back again and take back what they'd already won. They were enforcing the defeat and enforcing the victory. Amen. That's our job. Hallelujah. Real quick, we're going to look at some scriptures for us as courage in the battle. Second Corinthians two fourteen. Just take these down. You don't have to you can look at them if you want to, but but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And manifest through us a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's that's what I'm saying is courage for the battle. So I know who my enemy is. But knowing that he's already led us to triumph in Christ. Now where are we? In Christ. Where's the victory? In Christ, we're always triumphing. In Christ, not in yourself. Romans 8:37. But in all these things we what overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. The key here is not that you are strong or you are mighty, but he is strong. He is mighty. We are, we are getting victory through him and in him because we are in him. And I, my life, the word says my life is hidden in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. Whether I live or die, I am the Lord, so the Bible says. Therefore, I can walk in victory and... Because he's already won that. For me to walk in anything less than abundant life is to say his sacrifice was not good enough for me. Is that not true? But it was. Ephesians 6. Talking about the armor of God. You got to have the armor on to do battle. Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord. There again, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil is your enemy. And let me just say this real quick. There's only one devil. You know, I've been at meetings before in testimony time, which I think that's a loose term. (laughs) Someone would say, well, the devil was at my house this week. And then someone else would say, well, the devil did this to me this week. He's not omnipresent. Now, he does have demons that do his bidding. But bottom line, they're all defeated. Jesus went to hell. And the Bible says he defeated them. He defeated them. He took away the keys. They had the authority, but Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and took away the keys. They have no power. The the Bible says that the devil walks around as as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know who he's devouring are people who don't know he's already defeated. In World War II, my father was in the prisoner of war camp. And, and, and when Liberation Day came, they liberated the prisoners. But in some of those camps, they didn't get the word for a while. And even though they were already free, They were still bound. And they were still trying in their own flesh to get out of there. Trying to escape. We are already free. We're already healed. We're already whole. We're already blessed. We already are walking in the fullness of God. But the enemy's coming in to tell us you're not healed. To tell us. You can't do this. To tell us, limit us on what we, we know God wants us to do. I think this coming trip has been one of the hardest ones as far as fighting spiritual battles. There's been one attack after another. But I boldly declare that the Lord, Is the one who commissioned us to go. And the Lord. Is the one who's won the victory. And all I got to do. And all Kim and Liberty got to do. Is make sure we're in him. We know we're in him. And we walk in that. And we will have victory. We might. I mean we already know we've had battles. And we know we'll have more battles. But we can have an attitude of Clint Eastwood, I think said, "Go ahead and make my day when you know that you're a victor, when you know that no enemy can withstand you all the days of your life, he can throw well, the devil threw a a threw something at me this morning, and I." I stood in my foyer of my home and said, I'm going to preach. Now, the devil had other plans. The devil has plans, but what does Jeremiah 29 say? God says, I know my plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope or an expected end. So don't dwell on the devil's plans. Dwell on God's plan. And walk in his plan. And yes, you must be strong and courageous. It takes courage to say, no, I, you can't stop me. I'm going to do what God said. No, I will not be defeated. I will not lose because Jesus in me is the greater one. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 7. Greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If I have to say that 150 times in one day, then bless God, I will say that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Let me read this to you and amplify it as we close Ephesians 6. In conclusion, interesting, (laughs) that's what it says. Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. See, that's not empowered with your strength. It's you and him. Here's God. Here's me. Here's me and God. I'm empowered through my union in him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies. That you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the evil one. Your success depends on your choice. Isaiah 1.19 says that if you consent and obey, you will eat the good of the land. Joshua had to consent and obey. He had to meditate on that word. And in that, he could be strong and courageous. No word, no strength. Word of God equals strength. Put it in you. Keep it close to you. Meditate on it. Real quick, I'm going to give you the, uh, I I did look up meditate. Because, you know, sometimes you assume you know what it means. But let me find it. Meditate means this. To consider as something to be done or effected. Intent, purpose. To focus one's thoughts on, reflect on, and ponder on. To meditate on the word day and night. Would mean I can't stop thinking about this. How does this word apply to me? What is God saying to me through his word? How does it change my life? And what do I need to do? Every time you read the word. God's going to give you something to think about. You should leave church with something to think about. You should come to church and say, This word that's preached today, how does that apply to me? Instead of, I sure hope so and so's listening. Now make it just about you. How does this apply to me? What is God saying to me through the word? How does this change my life? And lastly, what do I need to do? Great things. To, to meditate on. Great things to hear God on. To understand that the word has to be in my mouth. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. This is what so ever you say with your mouth and believe in your heart. You can have it. But it's important of what you say. Stop saying, I don't know how we're going to make it. Stop saying, I can't do this. You know, even as a child, I wasn't allowed to say can't do. My mother said can't never did do anything. So as a child, we weren't allowed to say, I can't do it. It wasn't allowed. That's a good thing. Because the three of us kids all became successful. Different ways, but successful. Because mama said, never say can't. How many of you have had God talk to you before and you've said to the Lord, I can't do that. I can't do that. How many of you have you heard God say, do something and you say, I can't. I want you to hear my mama's voice. That says, can't never did do anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that means things I don't want to do. That means things I don't like to do. I don't like to fly for 30 hours or plus to get to the Philippines. I don't like that. Do you think I like that, sitting on those cramped little planes? I don't like that. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You and I have to say to ourselves, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. Courageous people change the world. Courageous people change the world. We're out to change our world. We're out to be those people like in the book of Acts. They say, are these the ones who have turned the world upside down? Yes. Yes. Because we are not satisfied with everything on the smooth. We want to change our world. But the first world I want to change is here. In my heart. And in me. Search my heart, oh God, and see if there be any unclean thing in me. That's what the Bible says. And when you pray that, you have to be willing to hear some hard stuff sometimes. When God says, you shouldn't be doing that. Or why did you talk like that against that person? Or why did you treat that person that way? But most of the time, we have our thoughts of why did they treat me like that. It's time we just look to us to see what needs to be corrected in us, instead of instead of diagnosing everybody else's problems. Let's say, God, what what can I do? What word do you want me to meditate on? And hear the Lord. I hear the voice. He's calling my name. He's saying, Come up higher, my beloved. Come up higher. God's calling this church to come up higher. But listen, when God tells you to come up higher, things get uncomfortable. When you're in a plane and they're going to go up higher and there's turbulence, you know. Like, here's the earth, and here's some thunderstorms. And that pilot knows, i got to get above the storms. Do you know that there's going to be some turbulence there when you hit those thunderstorms? There's going to be a little shaking going on. But the goal is to get above the storm. Then we can fly. Anytime. God's calling us to go up higher. There's going to be a little uncomfortable, a little shaken. But don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Hang on. Trust God. And soon we'll be above the storm. Man, it's easy flying above the storm. But what happens when you have to land, when you decide to go down? Got to go through that storm again. Here's the good thing about the Lord. We don't ever have to land. We can just keep soaring. Amen. So don't be afraid when there's a little shaking going on. That just means we're going higher. Amen. Here's the thing. Every time we are God calls us to go up higher, there's always going to be some shaking. But we don't have to be shaken. We're secure in him.